And I'm, I'm excited and I'm actually very honored that Pastor Chris saw fit to ask me to fill in for him while he is enjoying a much-deserved weekend away with Kelly, celebrating her birthday. Um, I just kind of preface all this. Please know that I love doing this. This is I love standing up and giving the message. This is not something that I take lightly, and I enter into it wholeheartedly with prayer and um, just just to kind of let you know evidence of that. I had my sermon started, and then I changed it um, yesterday. <laughs> it was just kind of not where I was being led, and so um, so now we're going to go where he's leading. Um, I think that I'm most excited to be delivering a sermon during this season of Advent. Normally, when I stand in the pulpit, it's the end of January. Everything's kind of blah. Youth, I mean, it's Youth Sunday, so that's exciting. Not that y'all are blah. But, you know, it's just January. And so, there's, this is my favorite season. This is my favorite time of year. I love everything about the Christmas season. I love the meaning of the season. I love the decorations and the symbolism captured in the different pieces. I love the smells. Um, well, I remember the smells. Once I had COVID, I don't experience the smells anymore, but I do remember loving the smells. Um, I love giving gifts and hosting family and friends, and I love the excitement and anticipation of the season. And, of course, I love the music. I've seen a challenge floating around on social media to read a chapter of Luke a day between December the 1st through Christmas Eve. And if you do that, you will read the entirety of Jesus' life right before Christmas. So Wednesday, I challenge the youth to do just that. It's a good reminder of who and why we celebrate the Christmas season. As I was reading through the first chapter of Luke, I realized that this is where my sermon should start. I scrapped the first sermon and started over here. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to Luke chapter 1. We'll start at verse 26 and go through 35, and then we'll skip to 38. And if you don't have your Bibles with you, it'll be on the screen. Or if you are like me and can't see your Bible... It will be on the screen. <laughs> Starting with verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, 
and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Now we'll skip to verse 38. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. I've always been intrigued by the beginning of the story of the conception of Jesus Christ. Beginning with the angel Gabriel appearing before me. The scripture we just read uses the adjective confused and disturbed. I feel like that must contain a little sugar coating because the next verse has Gabriel telling Mary to not be afraid, which would probably be more accurate. Now, maybe I'm a little jaded from 27 years of youth ministry, but when someone tells me that I should not have an emotion, such as being afraid of an angel appearing before me, I'm probably going to wait that one out until I have a more concrete reason to not be afraid. But that's me. You may be different. Then again, Gabriel was the same angel who appeared to Elizabeth to tell her that she would be carrying John the Baptist. So perhaps Gabriel's gift was bearing unbelievable news to women. I feel Mary's confusion probably set in when Gabriel explained why he was there. And like any woman, being told unbelievable things by the angel man standing in front of her, she had questions. I can only imagine the thoughts and emotions going through Mary during that visit and immediately thereafter. Have you ever been in a traumatic or stressful situation and your mind starts wondering? Most recently, I remember when Jackson broke his wrist and we were sitting in the emergency room and he would randomly say things like, how am I going to do my schoolwork? Or will I be able to drive? Can you imagine poor Mary? I would think that unless Gabriel gave her a heads up and said that he was headed over to Joseph's house next, her first thought would be, how am I going to explain this to Joseph? What will my family think? I've not done anything wrong. As a matter of fact, just the opposite. I have found favor with God. But I will be judged by those around me nonetheless. Then, I think back to when I was pregnant for the first time. All I could think of was, I'm responsible for keeping this baby alive. I don't know how to be a mom. I have a good one, but I still don't understand how she did it. And I wasn't a young 14-year-old girl. I was twice the age of Mary when I was pregnant with my first child. I know times have changed, but 14 is still a young girl. So many questions. So add all of the information given in verses 32 and 33, letting Mary know that her son will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. No pressure, Mary. Now... I would have probably needed some days 
to think over all of this information that was dropped on me by this magnificent angel, Gabriel. I wouldn't have blamed Mary if she asked Gabriel to come back after she's had an opportunity to process and what she's been told, talk it over with Joseph and the family and make a plan. At least that's how most of us would have likely handled that news today. But look at verse 38. It is very clear that she didn't take days to get things situated. She responded to Gabriel in the moment. And her response was basically, let's do this. And Gabriel left. She said, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. We live busy lives. We are continually adding to an already exhausting schedule. I'm not ashamed anymore to admit that I have compulsive hand raiser syndrome. Need someone to fill that role at school? Pick me. Need someone to host and clean up a dinner party? I'm your girl. Need someone to work an extra 20 hours this week? I'll be there. I'll fuss about it the whole time, but I'll be there. But sometimes when God nudges me to study my Bible a little longer, I hesitate. I don't really have an extra 15 minutes. There's an extra service at church this week. That wasn't already in my daily routine schedule, so I'll have to pass. Parents. Have you ever told your kids to do something and they talked back or ask why or rolled their eyes inside? I mean, you know that they're going to have to do what you want them to do. And they know that they're going to have to do what you want them to do. Yet, we have to go through the whole ordeal of arguing with our offspring to reach the exact same result that a yes ma'am or a yes sir would have accomplished. Only now, we don't like each other for a little bit. When I have a stubborn kid, and here's a little side note plug, sometimes my stubborn kids may also be your stubborn kids. So I'm not necessarily calling out the two that live in my house. I always think back to my teenage years. I have literally apologized to my mama for the way I treated her and talked to her so many times since I became on the receiving end. She's here. She can attest. I think back to teachers and coaches and mentors who I should have shown more respect, but I was a little bit sassy, and I pray that they see the adult that I have become and that they realize that they were a part of making me who I am. I just didn't always make it easy. Then I think about the times that God has directed me to do something, and I said, no, or not right now, I'm too busy, or rolled my eyes inside. Now, as a more mature Christian, I know that I'm not powerful enough to thwart God's plans, but I am human and stubborn enough to make things more difficult. Let's face it, if there were a modern-day version of the Bible, Amy Harris would likely play the role of Jonah. So many times I must have disappointed my Lord with my lack of enthusiasm. If you only knew the number of times that I walked into the youth room 
so pumped with the most exciting thing ever. Only after I explain the exciting thing, I look at a room full of teenagers looking back at me like I'm old, and the thing is absolutely not the most exciting. For the most part, they'll play along and humor me. But honestly, sometimes we don't give that much to our Creator. Okay, we're going to call this segment of my sermon Confessions from Amy. I wish that I would have thought ahead and done a little background music because I think it would have added to this, but you get what you get. Do you remember a time when you were asked to step outside of your comfort zone as a witness for Jesus? Maybe something that you didn't really want to do. When the summer conference that we usually attend incorporated service projects into the event, one of our first projects was a beach cleanup. I couldn't understand how this was a youth group service project. It felt more like a community service project. Don't they have those big beachcombers that come through and do that at night and pick up the trash? But this was our assignment. So we put on our gloves, grabbed our bags, and walked through the scorching hot sand picking up trash. Do you know what happened next? people would ask us what we were doing. We got to tell them that we were with Pleasant Grove United Methodist Church in Dalton, Georgia. And we are participating in a service project while we're here on our summer retreat. Those conversations then led to telling strangers about our church, about our retreat, and about the love of Jesus. When our service project in 2019 was to help clean up after Hurricane Michael hit in 2018, I verbally expressed in the van on the way there that I could not understand why we were headed to the land of million-dollar houses when there are people without any money who could use our free service help. I'm not proud of it, but I said it. That's the year we met Miss Norma Hubbard. We talked with Miss Hubbard about her life, the hurricane, her niece and nephew, who she helps take care of because they're mentally disabled. She's 85 years old. She told us how she had hired and paid so many contractors to come and take care of the damage. And it was significant damage to her home. And they just took off with her money and never came back. I'll never forget when she looked me in the eye and said, but you showed up. She talked of the joy she felt when she thought that a couple of people were going to come help her clean up her yard and how she could not believe her eyes when a van full of beautiful, hardworking teenagers unloaded, prepared to help. My life will never be the same after meeting her and seeing the true appreciation she has for our youth group and our church. She couldn't believe that a group of teenagers showed up while on a beach trip to help clean her yard and put an air conditioner in her bedroom so she didn't have to sleep in a house that was 95 degrees in July. She still gets excited and squeals when she sees my name on her caller ID. And most recently... I forgot that the Christmas parade was scheduled for this past Thursday. The youth always 
set up a table and hand out free hot chocolate to the parade spectators. I saw an article in Wednesday's paper that the parade would be pushed back an hour, and I said to myself, that's tomorrow. We can just skip it this year. I have so much going on right now. I'm behind at work. This is the first real week of high school basketball, and I'm way involved in that, which is where I want to be because that's where my kids are, and this is a short four-year season, so I want to soak it all in. I've been battling these issues with my face. I'm sick. Oh, I have a sermon to write. That's a good excuse, right? If there was an excuse I could make, I made it. Then I received that little nudge. So I put the word out, and a few of us were available, even with the short notice, and we wound up serving 171 cups of hot chocolate to the community until we ran out. When I arrived downtown, it was already packed. And we always set up in the same area. So when I pulled up my car up, I had to pull up on the sidewalk to unload. And when I pulled my car up, Pam was already there. And so she and I started getting the stuff out and setting up the table. And there was a lady who was sitting right in that area where I needed to pull in. And she said, oh, I was wondering where the hot chocolate was. We hand it out for free. And we try to make sure that everyone knows that it's from the church. It isn't fulfilling anyone's need per se, but it is warming their hearts and their bodies. They will stand and talk about how awesome it is that our church provides this act of kindness to strangers. Once I was there, I was happy I was there, even though life is busy. These are trivial matters in the grand scheme of things, but I'm so very thankful that I said yes, even though I wanted so very badly to say no for silly, selfish reasons. How many times have you ignored that nudge? We could have just not showed up on the beach cleanup or Miss Norma's house. There was a big beach, an ocean just waiting on us right outside. I could have not even mentioned the parade. No one would have remembered until it was over. What blessings have you missed out on because you're too busy or you feel like you may not be good enough or you're not the right person for the job? When I answered the call to be a youth pastor, it was supposed to be for a summer. That was 27 summers ago. That answer was an enthusiastic yes. What a blessing I have received from that yes. I can't imagine my life without youth ministry being a part of it. I can't imagine not having all of the teenagers that have come in and out of my life. A lot of them have stayed, and they're adults with their own families. I can't imagine missing out on that part of my life. The prophet Isaiah perhaps has the most famous biblical yes. When the Lord appears to Isaiah in a dream, he asks, who should I send as a messenger to my people? And Isaiah was quick to respond that he was the man for the job. What if Mary had responded like I would likely have responded? God knew Mary's heart. He knew that she would be the perfect vessel 
to give birth to the Son of God. He knew that she was a willing servant. He handpicked her from all of the others because of her faithfulness. Despite the possible risk, Mary expressed that she hoped everything that Gabriel said about her would become true. She could have possibly, she could not have possibly realized the magnitude of the opportunity that she would have to raise the Son of God. She only knew that God was asking her to serve him and she willingly obeyed. She didn't ask how all of this would turn out in the end. She could have never imagined the horrific death that she would witness her son suffer. Would she have been so willing had she known that he would be crucified? I certainly can't imagine witnessing my children suffer like that. We can't wait to see the bottom line or the end result before offering our lives to God. We must offer ourselves willingly, even when the outcome seems disastrous. In contrast, Mary could never fully imagine that her son would defeat death and conquer the grave so that the world would be offered eternal life in heaven. Talk about missing out on the blessing. Are you a willing servant? Or do you grumble and complain when you're asked to step up for God? When I issued the Luke challenge to the youth, I explained that we all have crazy schedules, but how much time in those crazy schedules is invested in studying God's word? My hope is that these 24 days will form a connection between the importance of spending time in the word of God and our youth members. I pray that on Christmas Day, the first official day that the challenge is over, that they realize that something's missing if they don't fill that void with more scripture. It is so much easier to be a willing servant when you have an intimate relationship with our Savior. How well do you know him? Do you think he would call you to do anything you can't or shouldn't do? If so, you don't know him well enough. I stepped into the role of youth pastor as a high school graduate who believed I knew a whole lot more about everything than I actually knew. I wasn't equipped to handle the responsibility I was handed, but there was no doubt in my mind that I have been given everything I need to do the job. And I believe, for the most part, God is pleased with how I have used those gifts, even on the days when I really don't want to, but I do it anyway. When I think about my story, I would much rather be able to say that I willingly did all of the things that God called me to do. I would love to say that I didn't grumble under my breath or think that being a servant of God was cutting into my me time. I want to leave you with this thought. It all comes down to surrender. He knows our needs better than we know our needs. He will allow us rest when we are weary. But if we didn't waste the time and energy arguing or fighting with him, there would be more available time for rest and to do more of his work. Allow revival, surrender, rest, prayer, and meditation on God's word to be your guide.